It's time to talk football. It's time to talk Dons. North Zone 1 Red Review. After the winter break, we're back with another Red Review. I'm Alan Davidson, as always, joined by Dave Galloway and this week by former Dons player Richie Byrne. Richie, thanks for joining us. No problem. We will have nice a. To be here. We will have a proper chat about everything that went on oh, behind yes. closed doors. A lot doors, to get through. A Pittori, lot to get through. In a little bit, but first of all, we will start with this weekend's football. And Dave, Reg, thank God for the Red Shed, because if it wasn't for that, it would have been fairly dull, wouldn't it? Well, quite frankly, watching the Red Shed was a lot more entertaining than the football that was getting served up. It was such a frustrating afternoon watching Aberdeen, nearly 70% possession. And you can't even say that the, the service in uh, to the strikers was poor because the manager went with two up top and he went with two wingers. And I, I thought uh, McGinn uh, was terrific. He sent in some great balls from free kicks, crosses and, and corners, but just nobody got on the end of them. But thank goodness for uh, Big Sam right at the end. Uh, it, it would have been a very, very different story, I think. And I think now what's come out of the game are all the positives about what was going on in the stands. Mm. Um, it could have very easily been overshadowed if we'd failed to win that one. Oh, goodness me, it certainly could have been. Um, let's just get uh, Derek McInnes' thoughts on the game. We go with a front two and two wingers to try and stretch them and have that threat in the box, but we never managed to capitalise on that. And I think every time you miss a chance, it's a shot of adrenaline for the Dumbarton boys because the longer you don't score, they believe it may well be their day. And the longer we don't score, then we start to think it's uh, maybe heading for a replay. But delighted that the players managed to keep their composure. Um, Big Sam doesn't snatch at his chance. You know he's got the calmness. He knows if he takes a shot on, it's blocked and nice soft feet in there. He didn't have the best his afternoons, but he's still the guy that makes a difference for us. And he anticipates the challenge coming and uh, sticks away the penalty. So nobody could deny us that we deserve to win the game. It felt like a type of performance that was maybe meriting more goals, but you've still got to score them, and that's still the fact that we're searching for uh, to have that bit more penetration, quality in the final bit. <sighs> I, I, th- <laughs> I think the manager's got it in a nutshell there. Yeah, like Richard, you were saying you, you, you saw the very brief highlights, but um, I think myself and Dave were both at the game, and we can assure you that that was all there was. Did it? <laughs> <laughs> it, it wasn't that there was much left on the cutting room floor with that one. Well, you know, uh, I, I'm sure with, with with the lesser teams, they they come to the likes of Aberdeen and they are gonna sit off. They're gonna they're not gonna come out. They're gonna make it difficult for you. And it's very frustrating to actually play against teams like that because they don't want to give you that opportunity. They don't want to give you space in behind. So. Your 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 best efforts are, are quite stifled, and you look at the as you said the amount of possession that Aberdeen had, and all they want to do is defend. They want to defend and prevent you from getting into the spaces where you where you would want. Um, and that's that's the tough thing. And it, fair play to the big man getting the the chance at the end, and 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 understanding that he had to just flick the ball over the lad's foot and and ride the challenge and, and take the foul so it was I, I think it was it was a great bit of play from him and thankfully that was the that that led to the goal yeah and i think that that's probably all there is to say on the game isn't it really dave I yeah was, I, I, absolutely um, possibly absolutely. T- t- touch briefly on dylan mcgeoch um yeah clearly i don't think fully fit yet i thought he i thought he looked good i actually I, had a brief chat with him in the car park before the game because he happened to park right next to me 
seems a really nice guy and he, you know he was very keen to get started with Aberdeen and I, I, I thought he showed um, certainly in flashes what he's capable of well, I thought, I, I thought for, for, for long spells he, he was possibly the best player on the park to be honest yes yeah um, he, he, did, he did show class and he it, pulled the strings and he's a guy who's not had a lot of football mm. recently so I think early signs positive on that one yeah, absolutely. I, I I thought as I as I've touched on, I thought Niall McGinn was also uh, very good. It's just a pity that the the strikers didn't have their shooting boots on. Otherwise, Aberdeen, you know, would probably have won uh, four of five nothing. We've mentioned the uh, the red shed. Let's get uh, Derek McInnes's uh, thoughts on the red army. He's full of praise for them. Magnificent, absolutely brilliant. Um, if that's a sign of things to come. I mean, I think they came here determined to put on a show and they, were, and they gave exactly that. Every one of my players commented how how different the atmosphere felt. I think if that wasn't the other day, that could have been a more difficult game um, in terms of how the game was playing out. But they stuck with the team, they kept behind them. They actually, exactly what the intention was, it felt like an away support behind it and we get brilliant back and forth away fans. So I can't thank everyone enough who turned up to the game today. Um, the ones in the red shed, I thought they, they got behind the team brilliantly and the atmosphere felt different from the warm-up. And uh, if that's a sign of things to come, then long may it continue. Yeah, and skipper Joe Lewis says he would love to see it made permanent. I think it's a great idea. I think uh, the club will maybe try and try and do that as soon as possible. You know, certainly today's game against them, at home where everyone would normally have come here and expected us to win and quite often... The crowd are, are waiting for something from the from the pitch. I think the the, the crowd, you can really hear them. And uh, you know, in, in the bigger games, no disrespect to Dumbarton, but in the bigger games, I think they'll probably make a difference. That can be points on the board for us. A, a good atmosphere can really make a difference in them tight games where uh, where we need that extra motivation. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think I divided the opportunity not working a game for once to go along in the red shed. Went along as a punter, having been to the pub beforehand, no doubt. Yeah, well, I thought just had to, had, to get, had, to get, had to get into it properly, <laughs> so went along and watched the watched the Spurs game. No, um, it was so it was reasonably well lubricated by the time we arrived. <laughs> no, I, I I thought I thought it was a, a terrific atmosphere. I mean, there were ten thousand people there, but um, over two thousand of them were packed into to that end. I, I I guess Richie, that's something that you'll know all about. Oh, the big European nights was a great atmosphere at Pittori, but as I'm sure you can uh, vouch for, uh, you know, there was a, a lack of atmosphere at, at other times. Yeah, some games when we would play, um, so, you know, the, the, the lower half of the table, there wasn't that many fans in support of the team. Uh, we didn't have a full stadium. And the, the, maybe the the singing and the chanting wasn't as wasn't as boisterous as when we were in big games, but it definitely does make a difference. I would say, you know, when Copenhagen came, it, it felt like there was extra pressure on them because of our fans alone. You know, they the fans had the the things from the World Cup, and it just it just made it a very hostile experience, I think, for the Copenhagen lads, and they couldn't deal with it. Now, if you bring that into every game, you look at Leicester in the English League, like their home form is very, very strong and their fans are very similar to the way we were when Copenhagen, you know, they, it, it, it makes it uncomfortable for the opposition. And there's not enough being said about that. The home fans, they do make a difference and they can make a difference. So I, I, I wish Aberdeen would, our Aberdeen fans would really, really push and come to every game and make it a hostile environment for the opposition because it does make a difference and you will win more games you know it's a it's a fact you will win more games yeah and I think certainly from uh, speaking to people after the game and um, obviously we were in the middle of it and I, I was saying to you this morning Dave um, 
from from in there it felt great it felt like an away game especially first kind of 20 25 minutes um towards the start of the second half i think people were beginning to get a bit restless it had gone a bit but actually i don't know if you spotted it from the from the press box at one point i think when things had got a little quiet joe lewis turned round joe, joe lewis turned round and was giving it the come on then let me hear you to the aberdeen fans he he was kind of and did that wind them up a bit yeah oh, that's good but no, no wonder he loved it because they started singing about him when he did it <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I heard that Super Joe Lewis. Yeah, no, it was it, it was brilliant, brilliant, really good. But I think if if the club can make it a a permanent fixture, I can't see. I don't know if you'll get that level of backing every game. I don't know if you'll get that two thousand in there, like that every single week. But even if it's just that middle section initially, if we can guarantee that middle section, kind of thousand twelve hundred in there making a noise every week. Yeah, I mean, it, was, it will be points on the board. Yeah, I, I was going to see, but you know, even if it even if it's half that, that would be great. I mean, I. I, I can remember a brilliant atmosphere um, at the other end of the ground when it was the old beach end and you had the rival factions on the beach end. You had the centre and the left side. I was a, a dedicated left-sider and uh, you know there was banter between uh, the different sections of the beach end and it all contributed to a, a really good atmosphere at times. Yeah, well, I think that, that was it. And I think um, I spoke to, uh, I can't remember speaking to, with somebody over the weekend and I kind of said, look, beyond kind of the European nights, and maybe some of the games against the old firm in the last few seasons. That that's as good as I've seen Pataudry for a certainly as good as I've ever seen Pataudry for a game against a lower league side in the fourth round of the Scottish Cup. Oh, I mean against Dumbarton, normally you would expect, as Sir Alex once said when he was Aberdeen manager, you'd expect the the sweetie papers to be uh, rustling. You could hear that above the the chitter chatter of the crowd. Yeah. yeah, no, I think all all in all. Very good. Right, I think we've we've got a fair predictor to crack on through oh, this week. Haven't we just? So we started on Friday night. Rangers at home to Stranraer. <laughs> How do we get on, Dave? Um, well, I, I, I missed the, the prediction by a long distance, as did Richie. It was 2-0 to uh, Rangers. I went for 7-0 Rangers. Richie went for 6-0. I, I just thought Rangers were going to absolutely... Uh, pulverised Stranraer, score in the first five minutes and then just, just batter them. But didn't happen, didn't happen. No, and I think, I wonder if you look at, we'll come to Celtic in a minute, Celtic, Aberdeen, Rangers, all sides who went to Dubai and had these winter training camps, um, none of them particularly convincing across the weekend. Possibly a bit a bit of rust there? Yeah, I, I, I think that, that could well have been the case. I mean, none of the none of the sort of big three had convincing wins at all. Rangers uh, beating Stranraer, um, you know, Celtic edging out Partick and Aberdeen edging out uh, Dumbarton. But uh, as any pro would tell you, I'm sure, Richie, um, you know, a win's a win. <laughs> well, this is it, yeah. You play the lower league sides and it doesn't matter in the cup. You just want to get through. Now, again, as we touched on earlier, we were saying that the lower league teams, they tend not to come out. And you look at the Rangers, Rangers Stranraer, such a big gap in those in those squads. But uh, Stranraer, like, the lower teams do tend to overperform. You know, they overperform in the big games and they're away, they're away to Rangers as well. So they're, they're, these fellas, are, it's probably their World Cup. You know, they're probably never going to play that game again, some of them. You know, it might be their last time, it might be the first time that they've uh, they've played in the fixture and their adrenaline is pumping and they've never had motivation like it. So they're going to play to a higher level than they have ever played. It's their chance to possibly cause an upset. So that plays a part in it as well. There's a lot of mental... Uh, sort of 
mental distractions to, to, to some of the, the, the top teams. You know, they might be eyeing a bigger game later on. Uh, they might have played a couple of players that wouldn't usually start. So, you know, those two factors sort of combine to, to make a lesser score, I think, in these, these fixtures. I think I think fair enough. And so we're on to Aberdeen Dumbarton. I think again. I think we were all thinking slightly more convincing than it was, Dave. Yes, uh, Aberdeen won Dumbarton nil. Um, I went for four nil Aberdeen, as did uh, Richie. But as we just touched <laughs> upon, um, you know, a win's a win. So yeah, absolutely. Onwards um, and upwards. On to Kilmarnock now. Yes, and on to the next game involving a top flight side. The only real kind of shocker yeah. round, I think, was it. Yeah, I, 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 I don't. I don't think it was a massive upset, to be honest. I don't think so because Air United uh, they beat Ross County one 0 Air United are a, a very good team. They play really uh, good football, really impressive football, flowing football, and on their own pitch at Somerset Park, you know they're a force to be reckoned with. They would have uh, probably given the likes of Aberdeen a, a pretty hard time as well. So you know, well done to the the honest men edging out uh, Ross County one uh, nil. I went for one one, and, and Richie went for two uh, one Ross County. Yeah, I think I can't. I can't believe I lost that one. I thought Ross County were going to do it. They've such a good squad. There's some good players there that I know, uh, and I'm just very surprised. Yeah, I think the plastic, well, the 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 pitch, the artificial pitch does probably make a difference. You know, um, and yeah. Terrifying, terrifying to be beaten. No, <laughs> <laughs> but I think, like, let me say, all, all in all, not the not the biggest of shocks um, for for a team at the top end of the championship to be beating a, a lower kind of half Premier League side. It wasn't that long ago they were in the same division. Yeah. Um, next up was Hamilton at home to Edinburgh City. That was always on, only ever going to go one way, wasn't it, Dave? Yeah, I mean, I, I went for uh, 4-1 um, to Hamilton. Richie went for 3-0, and it was, in fact, 5-0. So, you know, it was job done, a good good professional performance. Yep. And same scoreline at Tynecastle as Hart took on Airdrie. And I think that was that was one that we maybe expected an upside given the way. I, I, I think arguably that was that was a shock because Hearts won convincingly. Um you know they won they won five nil, so uh, really well done by them. I, I thought it would have been a lot closer two nil and uh, Richie went for four one, but maybe uh Stendhal's, you know, arrival is now creating a bit of a positive impression on on the Heart Squad. Yeah, well, he's not. So, well, what's left of the Heart Squad that he yes. hasn't got rid of? Yes, well, he's certainly been ruthless, as but, uh, you know, managers have to be sometimes. But uh, I would like to point out that our Red Friday colleague, Mr. Shiny, laughed at myself and Dave McDermott for putting three in that game. Really? <laughs> Goodness me. Yes. <laughs> uh, Again, another top flight side getting the job done comfortably. Six nil Kilmarnock against Queen Park. Queen's Park. Yeah, well and done. Six assists for Chris Burke. Well, well done to 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 Berkey. You know, still at the at the veteran stage, he is doing very well indeed. Um, and clearly, they will be a a big step up for for Aberdeen from uh, Dumbarton. Six nil, uh, Killy. I went for four nil. Uh, Richie went uh, for two nil. Yeah, Richie. Six six oh. assists from the one player in the same in a game. Have you ever seen anything like that in anything you've played in? Oh well, funny enough, Chris Bork gave me my fourth proper roasting in Scottish football. Funny enough, um, we were playing uh, we played Rangers, um, and he was in the youth squad. And I'm sure it's the same Chris Bork, isn't it? That yeah. we're talking about. Yeah, he's uh, been around forever. 
Yeah, I, I, I just signed for Dunfermline and my first game in the in the resis and this guy just came on and I thought I'd let him have the first ball and see what he does and I shouldn't have done that because he absolutely he roasted me. He turned and he just did me and then whipped the ball in, they nearly scored. And every time he got the ball after that, he just did the same thing. So I should have clattered him the first minute and then, you know, he might have thought twice about taking the ball. But when I'm when I played for the first team against Rangers in Rangers I had to come on as a sub uh, for one of the lads. Jimmy put me on at halftime. And uh, the first thing I did, I just nailed him, you know. And then after that, thank, thankfully, uh, he quietened down for that half, that second half. But, uh, but yeah, he is a very, very good player. Um, and I, I'm not surprised to see that he, he got six assists. Well, we... that, but that, that's the advice, clatter him. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> let them know you're around. Put a marker down. If all else fails, just just you know, just nail someone. <laughs> <laughs> again, trying to rattle through this as quick as we can. Yep. St Johnston three, Morton nil. Again, not massively surprising. I I actually thought it would have been a bit a bit stickier than that. So well done to Tommy Wright's side. Uh, three nothing. I went for one one. Uh, Richie went for for two one. I heard there was a there was a power cut at that game as well. Yes, something floodlight failure. Not quite to the level of the Motherwell one up here a couple of seasons ago. Should have put a few pennies in the meter. Yes. Um, that uh, So Livingston, 3-1 win at home to Wraith after going behind. Again, another top flight side through. Did yeah. anyone get it on the nose? I would imagine we would have probably all had a Livy win there, did we? Uh, well, Richie went for 1-1. I went for 2-0 uh, to uh, Livingston. Yeah. Uh, and then Partick 1, Celtic 2. Could have been a very different game if Kenny Miller had put that chance away just before half-time. Oh, goodness me. I mean, he, he, hit, he hit the woodwork twice in the first half. Hit the, hit the bar and the post. But, you know, football's a game of ifs, buts and maybes. Uh, but Richie and I both thought it would have been a lot more clear-cut. I went for 3-0 Celtic. Richie went for uh, 5-1. But, you know, as Aberdeen did, as Rangers did, job done. Yep. Last, last of Saturday's games... Motherwell, comfortable win away at Dundee. Yeah, 3-0. Apparently Motherwell were very good. Uh, Dundee were uh, pretty poor. Um, looking at the breakdown of the, of the crowd, uh, Dundee only had about uh, a thousand of their own fans at the game. Um, I think uh, Motherwell had about thirteen or 1,400 and Dundee only had a thousand. So all would appear to be not, not well, you would think, if that's the biggest support you can muster for a cup tie. Yes, um, finally on to Sunday. Their neighbours across the street, a two-all draw with Hibs at home. Yeah, um, actually, have we... I think we've missed out... Have we done St Mirren Broxburn? We haven't, no. I don't think we've done St Mirren Broxburn. Let's quit. Uh, thank you. I'm, I'm awake for a change. Uh, <laughs> let's go over that one then. 3-0 to uh, St Mirren in that one. I went for... 5-1, Richie went for 4-1, but uh, in the end it was job done. Um, yeah, you were mentioning uh, Dundee United and Hibs. I thought it was a cracking cup tie. I was at uh, Tanadice yesterday and compared with the uh, entertainment in inverted commas served up at Pretoria, it was like uh, night and day. Um, I thought Dundee United, it, it was going to be a very long afternoon, a very painful afternoon for them. But, um, you know, Hibs, yeah, they passed up a succession of chances, but Dundee United showed really good character to come back, not once, but twice. Lawrence Shanklin, what more can you say about him? He had one chance in the first half, 
and it wasn't an easy one. He steadied himself really well, really clever side-footed finish, low into the corner of the net, and then um, Louis Apere, a terrific equaliser. Well done to Dundee United for showing the characters to bounce back, not once, but twice to a, a good Hibs team. Well, that's it. Shank- Shanklin getting goals, showing he can do it against big clubs. Yeah, Got no, ab- absolutely. I think, uh, was it, I read somewhere that it was QPR watching him yesterday. Yes, uh, Le- Les Ferdinand was apparently in the in in the crowd, and I, and I heard that Celtic scout Tosh McKinley was supposed to be uh, watching him as well. But uh, I spoke to Lawrence after the game, but I thought I'm not even going to bore him with. Well, what's happening with your future? Because the poor guy gets that every single week. So I thought I'd give him the day off. From but that. look, looking at that going <laughs> forward, hopefully, if he can go and get that big move from from a Scotland point of view, yeah. it'd be great. If he can just be up against kind of slightly better players every week. Mm-hmm. No disrespect to some in the Scottish Championship, but you would think if if he can go and get a big move, no, it's really it, good going forward for yeah, Scotland. Yeah, it certainly would be. I mean, you know, it was a landmark goal for him yesterday as well. It was his twenty fifth goal of the season in the colours of uh, Dundee United. But like you say, I, I mean, I think he will stay on in the January transfer window. But I think he's pretty certain to to move on in the in in the summer to. Um, you know, a bigger club, and then that proves to be a very sound investment for Dundee United, who got him for nothing, and they'll probably get a couple of million or so for yeah. him in the summer. And just, just finally on Scotland, before we wrap this up, seeing Lee, good to see Lee Griffiths back in amongst the goals from a Scotland point of view, not so much domestically, but no, no, we, I, I, absolutely, with those, you know, pl- with those playoffs kind of not too far away. Yeah, dom- domestically, he's a player that you love to hate, isn't he? But um, you know, for Scotland. Terrific talent who can ever forget his two wonderful goals against England that had us uh, dare to dream that we might actually beat the old enemy for the first time in a, in a long time. On a personal note, great to see that he appears to have you know got over his uh, mental health issues because that's a you know a, a very uh, a delicate subject. So hopefully that's him up uh, on the straight and narrow and going from strength to strength. Yes, and just finally before we get into a proper chat with Richard, the only other thing. From around kind of Scottish football that I spotted this weekend, I thought we should possibly mention was Rory McAllister at Cove. Yes. I think fantastic signing for them. Yeah. Um, a player who we know can score bags and bags of goals at that level. Yes. And I think was brought down for the first penalty, scored the second one, and then it was had an assist on the third goal. Yeah. All um, in all, fairly impressive debut. Yeah, t- terrific talent. Um, he's been so consistent throughout his career. I mean, in his eight and a half or so years with Peterhead, he scored 198 goals, but uh, he just felt that the time was right for him to move on to a new challenge. And, and Cove, you've got to admire the way they're doing things. Yeah, they are spending quite a lot of money, but they're not, they're not doing a Gretna and just throwing money down a big black hole and then it disappears. They're investing it soundly, moving up to the next step. They're doing it step by step, um, and and I think they, they must be looking good for the for for the League Two title. Hopefully, I haven't put the kiss of death into uh, onto Paul Hartley's team there. But you know, they're five points clear now, and I, I can see them pulling away. Yeah, and now 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 they have McAllister's goals in there. I think it was that there was a spell when they were kind of quite heavily reliant on Meganson's goals. Um, now now that now they've got McAllister in there as well, that may be the signing that just. Just, just kind of wraps up that League Two title. Yeah, I, th- I think that could be a game changer. Definitely, definitely. So, all in all, once we've wrapped up that predictor, that leaves us, Dave. Uh-huh. After this weekend, Richie scored eight for the Red Army, and you scored nine, leaving the pair of you tied on sixty-nine at the bottom. Then Mike 
Mike with an impressive... No giggling at the back there, Richie. Come on now. Mike, Mike, it's a family show. Mike with an... <laughs> <laughs> I apologise, I apologise. Yeah. Mike, Mike with an impressive 16 points this weekend, top scoring. Takes him to 81. Andrew with 10 brings him to 85. 10 for me on 86. And Dave Mack, 11 out in front on 90 points. Goodness me. Goodness me. Well, I, I mean, can't I'm believe, a, can't believe Dave Mack is on top. I know, I know. It's it's not often Dave wins something, is it? <laughs> <laughs> no, he's miles ahead of me, so I've got absolutely nothing to crow about. I'm I'm uh, joint bottom with the Red Army, so you know I'm fighting a relegation battle. And um, they say, Richie, if I finish bottom of the table at the end of the season, then I'll, I'll get the sack. So, oh, good luck. Thanks. <laughs> I'd, well, I always we, thought we should we, introduce some sort of forfeit for this, but they wouldn't let me. Maybe around <laughs> the drinks. Uh, no, I, I was thinking something like, <laughs> "We'll speak. We'll speak to the club nicely and get him on the pitch at halftime in a Rangers shirt." What? <laughs> oh, come on, come on! <laughs> Steady on, old boy. I don't think I could lower myself to those levels. <laughs> that's, that's it. I think I think you'd, you'd pick up a few wins after that if that was the forfeit. I'd pick up a few kicks <laughs> after that, I think. <laughs> My friends would disown me. Yes. Anyway. Right, so anyway, now, the reason we've brought you on, Richie, is to have a real chat about your time at AFC and all things football. Oh, yes. Yeah, brilliant. Brilliant. Looking forward to it. So, I think, first first thing to start, what kind of, obviously, you were involved in some great nights, kind of thinking Copenhagen. Um, there were some not so good. Um, what what would kind of be your outstanding memory from your from your time at the club? There was quite a lot. There was quite a lot. There were some great times at the club. Some great characters in the dressing room. Um, but in terms of football sense, I, I would say Copenhagen for me has to be the best. Obviously, um, followed very very closely by away to Atletico Madrid. Now, even though we lost, I think the performance was outstanding. Uh, I thought we did really, really well over there, uh, considering the team that they had. Uh, but yeah, Copenhagen was was miles ahead. I, uh, it's hard to see any other game. Like I've been in a few big games, but that the atmosphere, uh, what it meant to get through, and um, the level we were playing at, the level of opposition we were playing at, uh, playing against, it was it was just phenomenal. It was literally. It was, you know, in, in life, you say, people say things like, and this, I sort of have a laugh, you know, with me mates and people say things like, oh, it's the best thing ever since, you know, I had me kid and, and whatever. And we all know that family is amazing and having a child is is amazing. But, and this might be a bit controversial, I apologize for to, to most of the world when I say this, many people can have children. Not many people can play in big games like that. So it's something that not many people in the world, like a very, very small percentage of the world get to experience. I just wish more people could experience that type of feeling because there is nothing like it. It is, when, especially when you're not expected to win. It's You just can't explain it, you know? And I'm sure the fans had a great one, but as a player, you just, you, you can never recreate that no matter what you do in life. It's just, it's never going to be the same. No, and I think without wanting to sound like Cy Ferry here, you, you mentioned there were some characters in that in that team. Who 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 are those? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> There's so many. Uh, when I first came, do you know what? When I first came, Noel Whelan was an absolute 
Oh, he was he was amazing. He was amazing, uh, and he made me feel real comfortable. I think that was one of the things with me. I, I needed to have a bit of fun and feel comfortable with the lads I played with. Um, I always came lucky enough. I was in some very good dressing rooms. Uh, the Shamrock Rovers dressing room was amazing. Dunfermline, we had some great characters there, um, and a lot of ex Don's players as well. Uh, and then when I come up to Aberdeen, then we had some some great guys there. But uh, I would say Noel Whelan was one of the funniest guys ever. Michael Hart, honestly, very, very funny. Very dry humour. Uh, he was hilarious. Um, Darren Mackey and Kevin McNaughton were like, they were like bloody beavers and buttheads, them two. They were very, very funny. Um, and when they got together, they'd be mad. Um, so there, there was quite a few there was quite a few very very funny lads there and then you had the gaffer and Jimmy Nick and Jimmy Nick just gelled everybody together so his banter was top quality but yeah we had a, we had a lot of fun in the dressing room you know and there was a fair few uh, team nights out uh, probably too many uh, you know for uh, where, where I'm concerned but uh, but yeah we had, a, we had a great time you know and the fact that we did well the majority of the time um, we sort of got away with that you know, so it was it was very very good. Did did you have to watch your back when Darren Mackey was around because he was a bit of bit of a joker? Was he the main joker in the pack? Uh, he he was up there. He was up there. It was about three or four of them. It was about three or four of them. Darren, Mick, uh, Mick Hart, and yeah, I'd say probably Kev McNaughton as well. But there was there was they were all at it. You know, they'd all they'd all good. And Ryan Essen, Ryan Essen was awful as well. Um, I was actually in the toilet one day and this was another great thing they used to do they'd fill up the buckets with freezing cold water and whoever was in the toilet it was so indiscriminate you just had to be caught there at the wrong place at the wrong time because there was a big ice machine there and they'd fill it up with this ice that had been ground up so it would go into really small pieces so it, the water would fe- felt like it got even colder they'd fill up a bucket throw all that broken ice in and they just lob it over the toilet onto you and whatever was coming out went straight back up you know it was it was horrific it was absolutely horrific so they did me once and they they did they had many uh they had many a victim in that so it was uh that was that was quite good banter but um yeah there was, there was quite a few of them it did did you get revenge on them for that um You'd always try and do something. You'd always try and do something for them, whether it be, you know, a bit of Vaseline under the door handle or something like that, you know. Um, and you, you just try and catch them out some way. Or, you know, in training, you just you just try and trip them up or kick a ball at them. Or, you know, you try and do something along the lines uh, where the gaffer didn't see you doing it, you know, so you didn't get into too much trouble because he was always watching to see who was messing, you know. So, uh, yeah, you just try to do it under the radar, away from him. Did did things ever kick off in the dressing room or 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 training uh, ground? That you know, like did have have you seen a few spare uh, square goes in the in the Aberdeen squad? <laughs> Do you know what? One of the funniest ones I seen was um, and these these two were our best mates, Darren Mackey and uh, John Sharp at the time, the physio at the time. I don't know what Darren Mackey did, but he did something to John Sharp when Sharpie was actually look because he would look after all the, the injured lads. And I don't know what Daz did to him, but he, he tripped him up or he did something to him. And Sharpie was out to kill him. And we had to actually restrain him. We had to actually restrain Sharpie from killing Darren. And Darren actually got a bit nervous because Sharpie was, he was serious about it. But uh, that was one of the funniest ones. Uh, on the other hand, fights and training. A couple, couple of little tiffs on, you know, in the middle of training in a session of someone, if someone went to do you, uh, you'd probably have a pop at them. Like Gary Dempsey did me in training one day. Uh, he did me with a tackle from behind, so I, w- I went to get him, and he knew that I wasn't going to leave it lie. So I was coming to him, and I was trying to two foot him, and um, 
<laughs> I dived in at him to do him and he just popped the ball through my legs and jumped over it and then started laughing and the whole team just they all burst into laughter so uh, that was the one time I tried to get back at him um, that, that backfired on me uh, and then I would say one time I don't know if these are all these are all involving me. That's probably the way, the reason why I remember them. But after a Celtic game, me and Mick Hart had a bit of a, a bit of a, um, a coming together. Um, Mick accused me of of playing crap, which I didn't play that well. I just came back from a hamstring injury that I'd never cleared up really, so I wasn't 100. percent And uh, he had a pop at me in the train in uh, in the, the Celtic dressing room. So I had a, a serious pop back at him, you know, and uh, I told him what I thought of him and so, uh, a lot of the other players uh, in that particular game. And uh, we, we went for it, you know, I went for him and he wasn't moving, he wasn't going to step back. So uh, we, we, yeah, we had to be stopped having a go at each other. But, um, but yeah, that was, it was all, listen, by Monday, Mick, to be fair to him, come up to me and said, listen, he put his hand down and shook my hand. He said, sorry about that, you know, let's just move on, you know, but I'm a bit of a grudge holder, so I held a bit of a grudge, which I shouldn't have, I should just let it go. But, uh, yeah, you know, with these things happen in football, you know, you just got to get on with it. And that's the thing, you have to realise that most players do that whatever happens on the Saturday, leave it there on that Saturday and move on. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm certainly wanting to bear grudges as well. Um... Another thing that springs to mind, uh, you, you spoke about uh, playing Celtic. I recall in 2005, um, a Celtic fan threw an inflatable sheep at you at, at Petaudry. And what what do you remember about that? Uh, I just remember it landing at my feet and I heard them all laughing and jeering at me. Um, so, I, you know, and called me a sheep, whatever. So uh, I had to let them remind them where I was from I'm actually from Dublin we don't really have that many sheep in Dublin but uh, yeah it was a bit of a laugh you know like they were they were a good side at the time they some very good players I think they beat us that game I'm not sure they beat us that game well I'm almost sure um, but you know we played well we played well against them most of the time but uh, that was you know that was the way it was back then there was always good banter and funny enough uh, playing away to Celtic one time uh, before the game I heard this shout from the, the crowd you know Richie Richie so I turn around and it's actually my best mate's brother-in-law and he's there with me uh, with his son, so my best mate's nephew. So I go over to them, I'm talking to them, you know, for a couple of minutes and I say, listen, I better go over and finish this warm-up. So in the game, you know, we're playing and we're, it, it's a tough game. I'm up against McGeady and at one point, you know, McGeady does me up in, up in the corner and as I'm running back, we got the ball, they didn't score, but as I'm running past them, all I hear is, Richie, you're absolutely crap. And it was me, I turned to the crowd and it was me mate's brother-in-law. <laughs> oh, that's nice. So, uh, so yeah, the, the bit of banter from from the fans is, you know, you just got to you just gotta accept it. And you leave and get it from your own mates and your own family. So, you know. Absolutely. Um, you were signed by Steve Patterson, weren't you? What what was he like? He was he was a bit of, no, bit, bit of a character, wasn't he? Oh, funny enough, I was actually signed by Jimmy, Jimmy Calderwood. Oh, oh, was it by Jimmy, um, was it? Yeah, so I'd, I'd come just after that period. Uh, so Jimmy brought me over to Dunfermline and he got Noel Hunt and he'd seen me playing in a game against Celtic. I play, actually played in centre midfield against Celtic. I played against Paul Lambert and it was like a friendly we had against Celtic and Hunt, he did brilliant. I think he, uh, no, he didn't score. We scored from a free kick and uh, Jimmy seen me and he thought, right, he's, he's, he must have thought he's fit. But Hunt, he said to him, Listen, go over and get Richie. So that's what brought me over to Scotland. And then from there, Jimmy brought me up to Aberdeen, I think a few months after he'd, he'd, uh, he'd moved from the Vermin. So uh, 
they came down to watch us against Dundee United and I played pretty well and Jimmy was like okay we'll we'll take Richie then uh, and I think in the next transfer window they got me you know there was a bit of problems there was some problems going on with Dunfermline so they were quite happy to get a few bob in you know so uh, they, they let me go and I moved up to Aberdeen that was that, was that then you know Aye, Jimmy Jimmy was um, something else wasn't he he was a unique individual do you know what he was a fantastic man manager um, and I think he had a great mix of love and fear at the same time you know you, you loved him because him and Jimmy and Nick were just two great characters and funny enough when I actually first came to Dunfermline Jimmy let me stay in his house so he he'd, he had a house that he he just moved out of and it was vacant he said listen you stay there for a few months bring your missus and your kid over and just stay in that gaff and uh, stay there for as long as you need until you get your own house ordered and that's the type of guy he was that's the type of stuff he did and he was a bit like a father figure to me and that's why I loved him you know, and I do. I would have done anything for for Jimmy back in back in them days. You know, he was he was really really amazing. Um, and a lot of people, you know, they they only seen the bits on TV. I remember the the clips that they had on on telly uh, of Jimmy pulling the ferret out of his trousers. You know, and the the mad stuff is is tan and stuff. And you'd you'd see that and you'd see the way he shouts and stuff. But behind the scenes, he he was really good. You know, his uh, his tactical awareness was really good. Uh, the training sessions were the best I've ever been involved in. You know, the training was really fun, high intensity, which is what you need. And and we were very, very fit as well at that time. You know, we were extremely, we were an extremely fit team. So all those things put together, uh, it made for a very good side that he created there. Yeah, no, I mean, so that, that, that kind of team that we had there, who, who would have been the kind of standout players in there for you? Who were the, who, who were the ones that you could just see had that real quality in there? Oh, um, do you know what? Everybody had something. Everybody had something excellent about them. Uh, you know, when I, when I first came to Aberdeen, I was on the bench for a couple of games, and I watched I watched Chris Clark, and I couldn't believe how two footed he was, how fit he was, and he was for me when I first went there. He was he was an outstanding player. Um, I thought he could play he could play in four and five positions, right back, left back, centre midfield. You know, he could play in the wing. For me, he was a, he was an excellent player. Um, Marcus Hoikinen when I first came amazing player what a player uh, with so many like the whole squad you had Russell Anderson what a captain you know what a what a captain what a leader and a, and a team player and that for me you know I, was, I don't know if many of you watched the, the Man United game yesterday Man United Liverpool and they were talking about leaders and people in the dressing room characters in the, characters in the dressing room that is what it's about, you know. The technical side of it, yeah, it's it's important, but it's the character. How do you deal with your own players, with opposition, with big games, even with small games, you know? And how do you react outside and off the off the pitch, you know? And there was some very very good characters, but you know, there's so many good players in that team. Uh, Ryan Essen, great goalkeeper, um, and even the strikers we had, you know, with some very very good strikers. Lee Miller, when he came in for me is he's up there with the best strikers I've ever played with, you know. It's timing to win a header against people, you know, towering over him. You know, we'd win most headers against the Celtic and Rangers centre-halves, you know. So and then when we played in Europe, he was phenomenal. Um, but then we got Jackie McNamara again, a player. I don't think I've I seen him give the ball away. You know, he was... He was on another level to anything I've ever seen. You know, he was really, really good. Yeah, and again, he could play in any position. You know, but with so many good players, you know, there was a lot of good players in that squad. What about the other side of the the fence? Um, I'm sure you've played with a few donkeys. Uh, with the Dons, um, 
any anybody that you can tell us about, even if you don't name them? What bad bad players? <laughs> yeah, really bad ones. A few duds. <laughs> Do you know, I I don't like doing this. You know, it's um, you're not at Aberdeen for the wrong reasons. You know, obviously people will sign players on the back of an agent. You know, so a lot of agents can be responsible for a lot of these players getting signed. Uh, and that, that happens, you know, and people may look great one week and, you know, they're, they're actually not that good because they play well. So it's a, it's a tough thing to, to come up against uh, or to give an opinion on that. And, you know, a lot of people, you don't know the reasons why people are playing below their, 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 their threshold, you know, the way they should be playing. You know, and that happened to me. I didn't play well for a long time at Aberdeen. I started to play, I started to play very well and then I did my shoulder and then I came back, played a few good games, did my hamstring, you know, so... Yeah, and there was things going on in my life that that were affecting me on the pitch. So, and Aberdeen, to be fair, it's a tough club to come to and play well straight away. You know, it's a like I think the 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 first person, or the only person I've seen that came and hit the ground running. Well, it was two: Sonny Aluka when he played, he was unbelievable, and Fern Snoil. I don't know if you remember Fern Snoil, but yeah, I remember what, him. What a player! When he came, he was just ridiculous. He was so good and so laid back. Um, and they were the two players I would say were come and just hit the ground running. But we, you know, we signed a lot of players that were not that weren't up to the standard. They didn't have the mentality required to play in the Scottish Premier League at that level of club. And because you, you've got to be a fighter, you know. Again, as I say to you, technique is not the biggest thing in that league. You know, you got to have a bit of fight about you. You know, so we did, like a couple, a lot of like, everyone was my mate at that club. So I don't want to name too many, but we did have a couple that didn't perform the way they should have you know and I think they know that they know that they didn't play as well as they should and they didn't put the work in that they should have um, and as players we all know we all know that we're not we're not playing to our maximum we're not putting the work in that we should um, but yeah there was, there's, always, there's always one or two and there was a couple that were given in by agents that just weren't good enough yeah, um, looking at the the Scottish Cup, we talked about that earlier in the in the podcast, Richie. Um, obviously, it's thirty years since Aberdeen last lifted the trophy. This would be a great uh, time for them to, to put that right. How would you rate their chances? Can they do it? The thing is, you never know. You never know with the cup. It's it's you know it's a it's a funny it's a funny type of thing where you could get to Hamden and you know all of a sudden you're in a big game. And the, all the big squad, all the big teams are gone. You know, so you never know what can happen. Uh, I de- I definitely think they can do something. I have to say, I like the look of the big striker. I think he's a class player. He he can move his feet. You know, he gets his body in front of the ball. Defenders, not, he, he doesn't make it easy for defenders. They don't get around him very well. He uh, he stands it up and he can win the ball in the air as well. He's a good good holder player, good link play. So I do like him. And uh, for me. McGinn, he, he is lit- he's like Liverpool's Firmino. I think he's a fantastic player. I have to say, I'm really impressed with him. Uh, every game I've watched, he, I, I think he does so many good things. You know, he does so many good things, so many chances created. Um, and then he scored, he scored a couple of free kicks there a while ago as well. So he's like, he's a great, great player. Um, and then you've, you know, you've a solid off midfield, two centre halves. Two decent centre halves that uh, you probably want a bit more pace in some when you're playing against the big teams. Uh, but you know you have pace down the sides. The the right full back I like the look of Logan. You know he's very very good. Um, so you know I think I think you have there's enough there to do well in the cup. You know there's more than enough. And if the the lads play to a high standard, I honestly think they could they could easily win it. You know they could easily win it. They're doing very well in the league. So um, there's definitely there's definitely a, a, a big chance there. 
Do, do you feel it's essential that Aberdeen keep hold of uh, Cosgrove and McKenna, at least um, in the January transfer window, at least keep them until the end of the season? Oh, they've got to hold on to it. They've got to go hold on to Cosgrove. The, listen, goals change games. You know, you can be the best defender in the world. If you can't score a goal, you're not going to win anything. You know, and so as a defender, you have to have a success rate of 100% to, to win a match, you know, if you don't score. You know what I mean? But a striker just has to score one goal. Just convert one chance. So you've got to be really, really good in defence. You know, so if you if you can't score goals, you're probably going to lose. So you've got to have good strikers, and they are the difference. You look at all the leagues in the world, the strikers are the main difference, and that's where the big money is. So you got if you've got a striker that's scoring goals, you've got to hold on to him. Excellent, Richard. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm just watching the time on this one. Um, thank you so much for joining us on this. Really, really appreciate it. It's been good fun, I think. Yeah, Great to talk to you, yeah. Yeah. Hopefully you've enjoyed yourself. We, Dave, we will be back next Monday. Obviously, a midweek fixture against Motherwell coming up. Indeed. And Indeed. Then, Very yeah. tough. Um, so we will get all the reaction to that one. Possibly some signings before the end of the week, maybe. See what see what we get for, for Monday. That would be nice. Once again, thank you very much for joining us. Richie, I've been Alan Davidson, and this has been The Red Review. North Zone 1, Red Review.